I do take it back. I, I don't know exactly how that correlates to maximum heart rate. Guys, I'm not wrong here. I knew I wasn't wrong. This is straight off of PubMed. This is straight off, straight off of PubMed as VO2. I can't believe you guys had me doubt. I was so confident in my answer, and then you had me doubting myself. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast, powered by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Sabin, and today, Drew Dillon and I talk about whether it's appropriate to deviate from the original training plan, and we answer a listener question on power versus heart rate zone discrepancies while working out. Today's show is also brought to you by Flow Formulas. I'm heading out to Seattle this afternoon, and thanks to Flow, packing my nutrition couldn't be easier. I just reach into the cupboard, grab a fresh bag, my favorite flavor, pack a couple bottles, and bam, we're ready to go. Pro tip, though. I still put my bag of flow in a Ziploc bag just in case something in my bag punctures the seal because you definitely don't want an explosion of the powdery goodness getting all over your stuff. So if you want to make your race day nutrition simple and reliable, head over to flowformulas.com and use the discount code IgnitionPodcast10 for 10% off your next order. As always, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. And if you have any questions for the show, send those to infoignitioncoachco.com with email titled The Matchbox Podcast. Hit us up on Instagram, or we have a new avenue. Head over to the Ignition Coach Co. website, and you can find a form that you can fill out to submit a question directly to us. All right, let's get into it. Okay, doing something a little different this week. Drew is bringing his own question to the table. So what you got for us, Drew? I usually bring a lot, I bring a lot more questions than I do answers, I feel like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this is an in-house this in-house, in-house question. Question that if literally affects my workout for today. All right, um, let's hear it. So um, we have kinda, no idea what this question is going to be. <clears throat> yeah, I kind of threw this at the guys at the last second. Um, yesterday on my ride, I was thinking I'm just transitioning into a new block of training. So I just finished up like, I guess what I would say, base two. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going in. I would normally go into base three right now, which would be a block of primarily threshold-focused workouts. But I'm also starting my crit season this weekend at Athens Twilight and then in two weeks, Sunny King, and then it's just like on from there, crits for the rest of the summer. Um, So my question is, um, would it be worth it to do a two- or three-week block of like Tabata-style power intervals, like 30-30s, really high-intensity efforts, and just like plug that in now into into the middle of my ATP basically and then go back and do some threshold and then just like pick it up where I left off. I kind of feel like if it doesn't set me back, that would be advantageous because it would give me the little bit of high intensity I need for these crits. And then I go back into my normal training, which would probably be good because then I've got some road racing to, to do in June. And so these threshold intervals might be good for that the more road race um and then just carry on my atp until i peak in august for like the end of the crit season uh i wanted to see what you guys thought yeah so the first thing i was going to ask you is when are you trying to peak and you just said end of the crit season later august yeah so i've got plenty of time to like progress all the way through you know the next couple of blocks i think putting this I'm already feel like I'm a little bit behind as far as like intensity goes because my cross season was so late. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, a part of me is thinking like it might really benefit me to do some of these high intensity just to kind of get me a little bit of that. Like I'm thinking of it like as in buckets and like normally I don't start to touch that high intensity bucket until later in the year. 
But I'm thinking like, why don't I just fill a little bit of that, fill that bucket up a little bit now and then go back to my normal training. Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world where you weren't racing next weekend, I, you know, you probably wouldn't do that, but you know, I mean, you kind of, you, sometimes you got to be a little bit flexible. Um, and I don't, I think that what you're suggesting here is probably fine. Um, like I said, in an ideal world, you probably would have started your base season sooner, so you'd already be done with it by now. Right. But that's just not the reality of how your, you know, how the year played out for you. So I don't, I don't see an issue in doing that. Um, I mean, a lot of people run into this with base three because a lot of people, if they're planning to, I don't know, peak in June or something, you know, they've got races in April, and there's, you know, they want to they want to do well at the races in April too, even though they're peaking for June. So I don't necessarily see a problem with throwing a little bit in there and maybe, and maybe returning to base afterwards. I think what you said about returning to base afterwards is the important part. Just don't Mm. cut out base three because your race season started, which I feel like some people do as well. Yeah. I mean, I think a part of me is like thinking I'm going to get high intensity at these races as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just don't know if that's going to be enough, like enough to, I feel like it's a mental thing too. Like I really just haven't done high intensity. And so I think doing some high intensity, like some 30 thirties and stuff like that, I think mentally that prepares me for crits because that replicates mm-hmm. crits a lot more. And if I'm going to be doing a lot of crits over the next two months, three months, then I feel like doing a block of 30 thirties would just kind of mentally prepare me for for those races and physically yeah i mean and you also don't have to do an entire block of just the 3030s yeah yeah it kind of works out perfectly if i did a two-week block right now um i could just do a two-week block right now and it would work out pretty well um and then it would it would like fit in like i could do a two-week block and then a rest week instead of the normal three-week block and it would fit pretty well within the race calendar yeah what i was you know what i was going to say is that the benefits that you get from those really high intensity workouts like 3030s come on pretty quick. It's not like you need mm-hmm. to do months of that kind of work in order to see benefits. Honestly, maybe just throwing in one 3030 workout before the, you know, before these upcoming crits and then using those crits as another super high intensity right. workout is probably fine. Honestly, I I kind of agree with Adam. You don't need to do like a whole block of 3030s like just just throw in a 3030 workout before you know these crits coming up if if these crits are not the most important thing in your season. I mean, they're not, but they're just such big races. Like Athens Twilight is like an iconic yeah. race. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just you don't like I kind of want to go into it somewhat prepared. And then Sunny Kings in 2 weeks from now. So this weekend is like it's going to be hit or miss because I just did BWR. I'm going to mm-hmm. probably do some 3030s today. So I'm not expecting to like go into Athens this weekend feeling like. I will say blitz, that, you know, but. I mean, I don't know how recovered you're feeling right now, but if I had done BWR on Sunday, uh, today is Wednesday when we're recording, I don't think I'd be doing 3030s already. I think I'd be like getting in a little bit more recovery. But I mean, maybe yeah. you're maybe you're feeling fully recovered already. I rode yesterday and felt surprisingly good like like okay. wanted to keep riding and like wasn't sore like it was weird uh cuz like sunday was definitely a huge effort like big tss mm-hmm. and i i was thinking the same exact thing of what you said like today i'll do a short workout but i mean i'll see how i feel today but yesterday i felt surprisingly really good okay 
All right, cool. All right, that's good. It kind of like gives me the pat on the back. Like, go go ahead and do your dumb little thing, Drew. We give you the thumbs up. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, it's so rare that you get to follow like a traditional, you know, progressive periodization, like, you know, going through each of the zones in a mm-hmm. linear fashion. Like, we're training to race bikes and like you race bikes, you know, for a long period of time throughout the season. So like you have to kind of mix things up in order to prep for those. Otherwise, like unless it's a true, true training race where like you're training through it and like don't care whatsoever. But like other than that, like you like why even go if you're going to be like completely flat or like not prepared? Yeah, I'll also say that I, you know, when you write the training plan out at the beginning of the season, I don't think ever in my the entire time that I've been racing bikes, have I followed the training plan to a T there's always something that, you know, you always get sick or there's always like, you feel like you're overtrained at a certain point and you got to adjust things. It's, it's never, the plan is never followed to a T. So yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, sweet. Thanks coaches. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Let well, us know how it goes. You can watch the video next week. Ooh, a little teaser. <laughs> Um, okay. So next question here, this one comes from Brian and he, he's talking about heart rate and power zone discrepancies. Mm -hmm. So he says, when doing workouts on trainer road, my heart rate is always a zone or two below my power zone. I'll do a VO two max or threshold workout and my heart rate will barely creep into tempo and often not get out of endurance zone. Even it's usually a zone behind. I realize with short efforts, the heart rate doesn't have time to catch up, but I'm talking about longer four to five minute over unders. I feel like I'm in the correct zone because it, I feel it in my legs. These workouts are really hard according to my legs, but my heart rate doesn't seem to agree. I'm rarely breathing really hard or gasping for breath, but my legs are screaming at me. What does this mean? Is it normal or am I just weird? If something is wrong with me, at least I have an excuse for finishing mid-pack in every race. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, man, you're a weirdo. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I mean, this is... This is not uncommon where people say, oh, my heart rate zone is not lining up with my power zone. And, you know, uh, one of three things is happening. Either your power zone is off or your heart rate zone is off or both are slightly off. Um, you know, I uh, or like or so by for, that by that, do you mean like like his like established or estimated zones are not set correctly? Yeah. So theoretically, you're if you give your heart rate enough time to rise in an interval, because obviously heart rate is delayed uh, and power is, you know, instantaneous, but if you give your heart rate enough time to rise in an interval, there should be no, in, in a, in a perfect world where you've got your zones set perfectly, there should be no discrepancy between your power zone and your heart rate zone, right? That's yeah. the reason why there would be is because of some sort of human error in calculating the zones. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian doesn't give any context for like how he established his, his training zones or like how mm-hmm. old he is or how trained he is. Um, so, so some of those factors are kind of unknown. Um, but yeah, I, I agree, you know, for the most part, it depends on the effort, you know, like if, if you're doing tempo effort power, it might take a little bit longer for your heart rate to get into tempo heart rate zone. Um, mm-hmm. but if you're doing like threshold and above, like within a couple minutes, it should, it, it should get up there. Um, with the exception, maybe being like the first interval of the day, sometimes the first interval, your heart rate's lagging a little bit more. Um, but in this case here, I mean, he's talking about for the entire of entirety of the workout. Yeah. I mean, so some other things that could be happening, 
like let's say that this is a, a sudden thing. This is all the all all of a sudden you're noticing that your heart rate is not where it usually is. Uh, it's lower than it should be, and it's not in the correct zone because of that. That could be because of fatigue. Um, Man, maybe you stole, my, you stole my thunder. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that could that could definitely be because of fatigue. Like maybe you're towards the end of a long block and you're getting really tired, and now your heart rate is lower than it normally is. That could definitely be the case. Yeah. Well. I think one of 17 things could be happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, a couple of weeks ago, I actually emailed Training Peaks and was like, I don't like your heart rate zones. Like, I don't like any of the drop down. You've got like five or 10. I don't different, like your heart rate zones. You've got five or 10 different like uh, zone models you can choose from. And I usually choose the CTS one. Mm-hmm. Um, not promoting them whatsoever. I just like <laughs> I just like their zones. Dude, I like wait, their power. I like their until power zones. A, wait until there's an ignition. Their, yeah, their zones so are the same as the, the, so I use zones are the same as Andy Coggin zones. So I use the CTS power zones because I don't like the numbers. It, mm-hmm. that, it, I know the, the the zones are probably the same, but I don't like like zone one, zone two. I like it to just say oh. tempo threshold. Yeah, so get rid of the numbers because that's too confusing. There's already enough numbers. I like to just call it what it is. So that's why I use CTS. But their heart rate zones are the same way, like tempo, endurance, all that. Except for when I put in there that my max heart rate is 195, and it it gives me my VO2 heart rate, and it puts it at 196 to 200. I'm like, what a that's like a whole wasted zone. Because I already know my max is one. If my max is one ninety five, then why is it giving me a zone above my max? Are you sure you it like, doesn't make you clicked calculate before? Yeah, you yeah. I pressed calculate. <laughs> no, no, no. The way that it's the the way the algorithm or whatever the way it works is a, it's not based off of. You could put any number in for your max heart rate, and it doesn't even look at that. It only looks mm. at your lactate heart rate. Yeah, but my wow. lactate and my max are pretty close. So I put my mm. lactate in at like one eighty five, and my max at like one ninety five, and it gives me a zone of over my max which is annoying and i think that should be like so i emailed i emailed i emailed training peaks and was like hey i want to create an ignition heart rate zone and he said we get that asked we get asked that all the time so no uh, we can't do that <laughs> yeah, he said no. but i'm like i i mean like if i explained it to the guy i feel like it would totally make sense but so sometimes i'll go in there and adjust it and what i'll do is like i'll split that the last heart rate zone between my vo2 and my power power interval mm-hmm. zone or anaerobic zone um yeah i mean it. dude did you know that rick stern one of our ignition coaches has his own i know uh, heart rate so i model. thought like if he can get one maybe i can get one but <laughs> so, it doesn't work that so way. this is this is actually bringing up a great point and, and that applies to this guy's question um i know I, uh, yeah i was the, setting you up <laughs> were you do you already mm-hmm. know what i'm gonna say here yeah, it depends on what model you use and no. how you determine your well, heart that's, rate zone. Well, that's and- partially what I was going to say. Yes, is that there's all these different zone models out there. But that's getting to the other point that I'm going to make, which is that at the end of the day, these zone models are created by human. You know what I mean? They're, they're imperfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're also somewhat subjective. I know that it... I think that some people use these zone models as if they're like some sort of objective truth. And just by the fact that there's so many different zone models and everybody's got their own theory on what, you know, what these different zones are, that should show you that that's not true. Um, Especially when you get into these zone models that have, I don't know, freaking, you know, 
seven, eight different zones or whatever. Um, it depends. Like, for example, we've talked on this podcast about how zone two, you can't just necessarily put a percentage on where zone two lies. It varies from person to person. I mean, that's the same with all of these zones. So, um, I mean, Drew, that could be the reason why when you calculate your, you know, you're trying to calculate your VO2 max zone using the CTS model, it's giving you something that you can't even hit. It's above yeah. your max. So right. I, I guess what I'm saying here is take all of it with a grain of salt. It's not, you know, um, yeah. So let's let's talk real quick, um, you know, for folks. How, how do you establish lactate threshold heart rate and also maximum heart rate so for people who are going in and they're adjusting mm. their their training zones let's let's talk Good about question. how those two two metrics are achieved i think um, i think the best way to find lactate threshold heart rate would be to do a really hard one hour effort like a one hour race is perfect or a, a one hour some sort of one hour effort where you went as hard as you could for an hour um the way I do it and the way that I, I think I pulled it, I think I pulled this out of the training and racing with a power meter, I think, is when you do your 20-minute FTP test like we, I think, most of us normally do periodically. Um, I don't think any of us. I've done a 60-minute test once, but I don't think that's the norm. I think the 20-minute is Definitely the norm not. these days. <laughs> uh, you, take your, you take the second 10 minutes because the first 10 minutes allows mm-hmm. your heart rate to get to that steady state, and then the second 10 minutes of your FTP test you highlight that and take the average heart rate. Yeah, I could see, see, if you really wanted to know what it was, you would get, you know, you get your lactate uh, tested in a lab. But, um, but I, I could see the potential for that overshooting it because 20 minutes should be harder than above should be above. Um, So you're, I mean, at that point, your heart rate should be at a steady, yeah, yeah, you're above, but but your heart rate should be pretty steady. No, it, it yeah, but um, it wouldn't be that much higher if it was. It'd be it'd probably be a little bit higher. Whereas, but if you took the average of the entire twenty minutes, it might be a little bit lower because for the first five minutes, your heart rate is yeah, steadily climbing. You know, right? So again, just like with testing your FTP, they're all at the end of the day, they're all estimates, right? And yeah. every and the estimates are not perfect. And maximum heart rate, this is very complex. Make sure you're paying attention. You take the highest heart rate that you've seen, period. (laughs) (laughs) What if you you haven't gone that hard, though? I would also say uh, it should be a one-year. If you haven't seen a 200 beats per minute in like five years, that's not your max. Because as you get older, your max heart rate should be decreasing. So I would say take your maximum heart rate that you've seen in the last year. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not going all out, dude, like... Well, some people don't do, you know, 20-minute short track races or crit races. Like, in a crit race or a 20-minute short track, you could probably hit your max heart rate. But some people are just doing, like, you know, unbound. unbound, You know? They're not going to hit their max heart rate at unbound. Hopefully. In the the neutral zone. (laughs) In the neutral zone. That's when you're going to hit your max heart rate. Um, Good point. I didn't think about that, but... People should go hard and see that, and to if for no other reason than just to see how high they can get their heart rate. It's mm-hmm. kind of exciting. I I will say that it's you. You are probably not going to hit your max heart rate 
by yourself. I'm sure there are some people that can hit their max heart rate by yourself, but if you really want to see what your max heart rate is, if you put yourself into some sort of race scenario and the race lasts 20 minutes to an hour, that's probably the best way to see what your max heart rate is. So I've got a, I've got a sort of theoretical question for you. Do, do you think that is because you're able to push yourself harder and or because there's the external like effect from like adrenaline and, and other factors that are going on that the race induces? Yes. Yeah, you're able to push yourself harder because of the adrenaline. It's probably both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, so, I, I think it's a combination of both. Yeah, for sure. Social facilitation. I've talked about that on the channel. I, was I didn't watch that o- one. I was going to say the audience <laughs> effect, but social, whatever yeah. you just said. <laughs> it's just a fancy way of saying you go harder when you have people around you. Yeah. Yeah. Or when so you have, I have another competition. So I, I sort of asked that because I've had a couple athletes in the past who who have achieved their maximum heart rate in an activity that was other than bike riding mm-hmm. or racing. Mm-hmm. And they've wondered if that's what they should use as their maximum heart rate. Might well, be because they're not as they're not as economical at that other things. So you can have this is why running heart rate zones are different than cycling heart rate zones. I mean, you could you could and also um, you know, for example, like cross country skiers can get the the highest VO2 max scores because they're using more of their body. I mean, different activities will produce different max heart rates, so to speak. Um, yeah, so, so the, two, the two examples were one one athlete was in the gym, so like during CrossFit. Wow. And then the okay. other athlete was uh, dirt biking or motocross. Dirt mm, bike. I've heard, I've heard wow. that your heart rate can get real high doing yeah. that. Yeah, so... Like those guys are pinned at their max of the whole race, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would... So even if this person's cycling max heart rate is slightly lower than their you know, theoretical, theoretical max, max heart rate. If you're doing some sort of zone calculation, I think I'd probably just use your cycling max heart rate. Although I can see, I I can see people disagreeing about that as well. I mean, if you hit a max dirt biking, uh, but you can't hit that max when you're on the bike, then it seems kind of irrelevant to consider it while you're riding. I mean, if you already know you can't hit that number while you're riding, then you shouldn't use it as a as a metric. I mean, you're just yeah. kind of yeah. Also, like a waste. I I think that any me- I you know I know I know that you can get pretty pegged when you're dirt biking, but I I, I think that this person can go harder on the bike too. I, I think if they can, <laughs> I don't think that I, if you can hit some sort of heart rate on a dirt bike, you should be able to hit that same heart rate on a bicycle if you know if not higher. Says yeah. the guy who's never been on a dirt bike. I've ridden a dirt bike one time. <laughs> <laughs> I've never ridden. But so a a you know, a bicycle, it like for example, if you were to do a short track mountain bike race, it's the same thing except you have to actually pedal the thing. You're and going it, it weighs a few hundred pounds less. Yeah. It's also not the same thing. Like you don't have to do jumps and corners <laughs> yeah, nearly as hard. Like, but you yeah, see you know, what I'm you're going. 12 going, miles an yeah, hour and maybe you, you see what i'm saying though you have to pedal the thing like yeah. and there's adrenaline from having to handle the bike yeah no i don't, I don't disagree um but i i did what or I've, I've done what what drew said you know i we you know it's nice to know that you can achieve that you know like a higher higher uh heart rate during some form of exercise but um i typically just refer to the 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 bike racing data or the cycling data. I have a question somewhat related to this. Um, Man, this is like Drew question hour. <clears throat> yeah, I know. 
I was thinking about this the other day too. You know, we got like 20 or 30, probably more listener questions to get to, and you're just clogging them all up. Hey, that's what you, that's what, that's the perks of, perks of being a potter and not a, a potty. Um, <laughs> did you get it? Yeah, we got uh, it. I guess. <laughs> all right. So would it be possible for your max heart rate to slightly increase? Um, and, and so, and the basis behind this question would be, let's say that my training volume has been stagnant for a couple years, but then something happens and I'm able to like up that training volume pretty significantly, which if I'm thinking correctly, that overall training volume and a lot more endurance miles and all of that would, should increase my VO2, like my, just my oxygen capacity slightly. If, if that happens, and this is assuming that those two things, what I just said is correct. I, I'm pretty sure it is. Then wouldn't I be able to hit either higher heart rate zones more consistently or just push that max up because now I can just I have a, a larger aerobic capacity? No. So, um, I think so. I, it, I no, would say it I, depends. It, it, it depends. I would say it doesn't depend. This is actually like this. This has been shown in the literature. It's when you the more the more trained you get, your max heart rate actually slightly decreases ever so slightly goes down a little bit but your, but your vo2 but, does but it depends on up, your starting right? yeah your vo2 goes up if you're completely untrained though your max mm-hmm. heart rate will be lower no are you sure it'll be higher yeah no that, that that's contrary to some of the the information i've read but happy to take your am i screwing this up right now hold on let me do a quick no. google search so so i remember from back i don't know this i would was love for dylan to be wrong seven seven eight years ago when i was training for triathlon and i was doing a lot of running and i was trying to establish my running heart rate zones um at the time the information that i was reading was depending on your your trained level like if you wanted to know what your estimate what your lactate heart rate was without before doing a heart rate test you know this is running again it was if you were right, untrained. This, dude, it was say a wait, number. Wait, 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 guys, yeah, say guys, one eighty minus. Adam's talking. Wait, Dylan. hold on. Yeah. Okay. All right. It was. Say, I think it was like two hundred minus your age. Let's say something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember offhand. If you're untrained, it's two hundred minus your age. If you're trained, it's two hundred minus your age plus five. Because the more trained you are, the higher you're able, harder you're able to push yourself. Mm-hmm. But that was yeah. for lactate threshold heart rate. So I do take it back. I I don't know exactly how that correlates to maximum nice. heart rate. Guys, I'm not wrong here. I knew I wasn't wrong. This is straight off of PubMed. This is straight off, straight off of PubMed as VO2. I can't believe you guys had me doubt. I was so confident in my answer, and then you had me doubting myself. All right. As VO2 max improves with training. So, yes, you're right, Drew. VO2 max improves but, with training. But am I right in saying that if you increase volume, you're increasing VO2? That's true, Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as VO2 max improve, I mean, up to a certain point, right? We give caveats here. <laughs> yeah. Um, as VO2 max improves with training, heart rate max tends to decrease. When detraining ensues, heart rate max tends to increase. Mm. So I'm sure that this has to do with chronic fatigue or you know cumulative fatigue. I think it it's like. I think it's it's literally a training adaptation. I mean, part of it could be chronic fatigue, but I think part of it is just a training adaptation. Hmm. The reason I ask is because I feel like in the last year my training volume has gone up, but I've seen like and maybe it's just because of the mental thing that Adam's talking about, like I'm learning to push myself a little more. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen higher heart rates in some of these crits I'm doing 
than I had in like a couple of years. And I'm like, snap. But you're like, talking average heart rate, not maximum heart rate. I'm talking about max heart rate. Like I'll look oh. back at I my mean, max heart rate at the end of a crit and I'm like, holy crap, I didn't know I could still do that. Like I'm almost but was, 30. But was your max heart rate for that crit, your, like, is that your new max? Like you're hitting new max heart rates? Well, I mean, I hadn't hit these numbers in like, you know, maybe since college or something. Like it's been years since I've hit over 200 beats and last year i did it a couple times in crits and i'm like oh snap i didn't know i could still do that was it super yeah. hot out too probably yeah, a lot of the crits so are. yeah i mean you know i i don't, I don't know exact exactly what the reason for that is but i would say that if anything if you're and here's the other thing with you is that you've been well trained this entire time i mean your volume has gone up i guess a little bit you're saying in the past couple of years but You've been a well-trained cyclist since you were a teenager. Yeah, right, right. So, okay. Fair enough. I was just curious. Mm -hmm. You guys had me doubting myself. We only, <laughs> we only got through two questions. <laughs> and, of, and like, but the within those two questions, three of them were mine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, if you, if you wanted to see a higher max heart rate, you would actually stop training and then right. go as hard as you then possibly go. could. Yeah. 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 I, that makes sense. Okay, so if we if we just go back to to circle back to Brian's question and make sure that we <laughs> yeah I forget what it was <laughs> yeah, so again sure so he was he was having it. discrepancies between his heart rate and power zones um, is your guys's best guess that he just needs to reestablish his zones yeah here's the ignition coach co heart rate zones that you should go off of and this is based off of your max heart rate your tempo your endurance should be sixty to eighty percent. Your tempo should be 80 You're to 90. You're just rattling this off off the top oh, of your head. He's reading off of a, he's got I've a prompter. No, I've got a, uh, I've got a tack board and I have it pinned on my tack board so I can refer to it whenever I need to. Tempo is 80 to 90% of your, this is percent of max. Threshold would be 90 to 96. VO2 max would be 96 plus. I just think, those, yeah, I think that, zones. I think that it probably, there's one of two things happening. He's either... He could be a little bit overtrained, and hence why his heart rate is low. That could be the case, in which case the answer is rest. Or he needs to reassess his uh, his heart rate zones um, by. Yeah, it an, makes me wonder what. Yeah, what's he basing his heart rate zones off of right now? And is this a sure. sudden thing? Like when he was doing tempo intervals a month or two ago, but I'm assuming before he got up to these over unders and VO two intervals. Was it off then um, as well? Like, yeah, that's what I, that's kind of what I'm curious. So those are those are your two answers. If it's a sudden thing, it might be it might be that you're fatigued. If it's not, then time to reassess the heart rate zones there. So, yeah. Cool. And I would also make sure you're calibrating your power meter. I mean, he says that he feels like his legs are going hard enough, but like make sure you're not overreaching it. Yeah. Sure. Which, and I mean, maybe another, his legs are feeling it because he's, his power meter is off. I don't know. but Another thing I would add, too, is um, maybe try, like, increasing the length of the intervals. He said that his over-unders workouts were only, like, six minutes long, and that seems kind of short. If you extend that out to, like, 10 or 12 minutes, uh, you know, if you're doing over-unders where it's, like, threshold and VO2, you can't do, like, 12 minutes of VO2. Um, but if you're doing, like, a 12-minute over-under, I feel like that gives your body a, or your heart rate a little bit more time to climb. So you might see by the end of a 10-minute interval, you might start getting closer to that zone. <clears throat> but like we said, five or six minutes might be too short for that heart rate to get elevated. Or do more intervals because, like, each interval you do, the heart rate should, by the end of each consecutive interval, 
the heart rate should be like a couple beats higher than the one before because of cardiac drift. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That was a good point. Four to five minutes is not really long enough for an over under for your heart rate to really stabilize. Cool. Are we doing one more or is that it? No, we're wrapping it there. All right. It's good stuff. We went, we went deep, deep in the weeds. We got lost in the, in the, in the trees for sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. We'll see you guys. All right. See ya. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email titled the Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training related discussion and learn about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch y'all soon. Let's go. never driven a rally car before, but I'd imagine there are a lot of similarities between racing rally cars and racing bikes. Both involve speed, skill, and suspense. But one big difference is the navigator. The navigator's job is to communicate with the driver what turns are coming up, the severity of those turns, and any obstacles to look out for on course. With the help of the navigator, the driver goes faster. As athletes, we too need a navigator. This is where the coach comes into the picture. Like the navigator, the coach helps guide the athlete along the right path. When it's all said and done, the coach helps the athlete go faster. To take the analogy one step further, I'd bet the best navigators are those who used to drive themselves. Because of their own experience behind the wheel, they're better equipped to help the driver. This is what Ignition Coach Co. is all about. All of our coaches are elite level racers, and that makes them better coaches. They know how to train, how to prep, how to win, how to lose, and how to stay focused through it all because they are in the midst of that pursuit right now. Here at Ignition Coach Co., we believe that coaching and racing go hand in hand, and it's our goal to fuse those two things together. We'd love to connect you with one of our coaches. Sign up for a free consultation today. Ignition Coach Co. Developing coaches, connecting athletes.